This is it's all good, man. The better, better call Saul podcast. My name is Brian, and with me, as always, is Sweet Tea Dave. Sweet Tea Dave, how you doing? Well, I was a little bitter, <laughs> but now I'm sweet. Somebody poured some sugar on you. Oh, saccharine, <laughs> sweet to taste. Saccharine is it saccharine or saccharin? I don't know. I can't even pronounce Ignacio. So it, it, did I do it right that time? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I wasn't thinking about it. That's like Ignacio. Ah, see? see, now I'm thinking about it. I can't do it. Anyway. Shut the brain off. Right. We are talking about episode 403 of Better Call Saul, titled what, Dave? Something beautiful. Indeed. Something beautiful. Mm. Something beautiful. Much like our listeners of this lovely podcast. Tear. <laughs> Single tear. Tear. Slow zoom. Yep. So thank you for everybody for listening and participating in preview with the prior and uh, a lot, a lot of good uh, listener correspondence uh-huh. for this episode's preview with the prior. Yep. Dave and I just rewatched episode four Oh three. think we have some good, uh, some good thoughts for you folks. And of course we encourage you guys to weigh in for next week's preview with a prior. So make sure you do that. Hit us up on Twitter, TV time, all that good stuff. So here we go. Episode 403, we open with uh, a chain spike strip, essentially, being pulled across the street. Yeah, I was going to try and make an up, turn the car upside down joke on that, but... Uh... <laughs> That's how you would fix it. They're not, <laughs> they're not trying to fix the car. Right. Well, then they would have turned it upside down. They're they're trying to destroy. After they ran over the the spike strip, then you know if they had to fix the car, then they'd turn it upside down. To right, fix but then it, that would defeat the whole purpose because if they turned the car upside down, it would come back out like brand new. <laughs> Arturo would probably be alive, right? Well, only if they got the car up to eighty eight miles an hour. Right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> in, which I'm kind of disappointed they didn't do because it seemed like they had a lot of running room to do that. <laughs> totally. Or at least they would have if there wasn't a chain strip in the middle of the road. <laughs> It is a four four two. It is a four four two. I love these scenes that open up where you kind of have no clue what the fuck is going on, which yeah. is kind of a trademark of this series, and you know, Breaking mm-hmm. Bad and and all that. They leave um, you guessing for a little bit. Yeah, it, it reminded me at first. It reminded me of when Mike made the made the spike strip with right. the garden hose and posing for the Poyos Hermanos. Truck. That's like the go to thing for this mm-hmm. writing group. Is like we need to do something. It all here. starts. Uh, spike strip. Yeah, all starts with the spike tires. Strip. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, a lot of good acting, even though there was no real speech, right, in the scene. It kept you guessing the entire time. And yeah, a lot of meaningful looks. Mm-hmm. A lot of like what's going to happen, mm-hmm. and then they reveal it later, kind of stuff. And, and it was like one of those scenes that kind of drug on just long enough, right? Right. They, they were shooting up the car, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Where, where the hell is this going?" And Nacho, you know, gets in the car. And I love how they play that off because as soon as he turned around, to, I, I guess just to make it look like he's looking back at people that supposedly were firing. No, I think he's just getting his face out of the way of a bullet. You think so? Yeah, I think he was just protecting, like, you know, he just puts his hand up by his face and just like, so, I'm going to get shot here, so I'm guarding the rest of my body kind of a thing. Yeah. That's how I took it. Totally, totally about it. And then I, I guess I just thought about it another way, too. Like, if they're, if they're replaying the entire scenario, mm-hmm. right? If somebody's firing at him, it's completely possible, plausible that he'd be looking back. Right. Well, because at first. But I guess I don't know how well their forensics team is. <laughs> That's I the don't... thing. Is I, I, at first, I'm watching this, like, as if the cops were going to show up and investigate mm-hmm. this. Right. So I'm like, well, they're going to tell that Arturo had been dead for, like, several hours before right, he right, got right. shot. And all this nonsense. And I was like, oh, wait, this is a mob thing. Like, they're probably going to burn the car. Right. Which they did. Uh huh. So, yeah. So, you're, you're completely right. He, he was protecting his face. But when, when I was watching, my initial impression was like, wow, that's good attention to detail. You know, not only did he right. sit in the car, <laughs> he looked back as if folks were firing at him. And then he took the bullet to the shoulder, which uh, can't be fun. Yeah. Well, and at least, uh, at least Tyrus shot him in a proper side, too. That's good mm-hmm. attention to detail because if he shoots him on the right side, that won't look as legit. You're in the passenger seat and the bullets are on your left. Right. So it was well thought out. I yeah, I well, get the feeling they might have like 
done this scenario once or Although twice Although they did before. shoot him in the right shoulder. They shot him in the right yeah, shoulder. Maybe you're so right. Maybe it's kind of played off, so he's turning around. Whatever. Either way, uh, they made it look very plausible. Yeah, plausible. Obviously not their first rodeo. Right. And uh, so Nacho gets shot. Then he walks out of the car. Yeah, He's pacing, blood dripping on the, uh, on the ground. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that he turns around. Obviously in pain and super annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> right? And it's like, can I make the call now? And then bam, he gets shot right in the right in the uh, stomach. Right in the old abdomen. Yeah. Yeah. Got to make it look real. Totally. Which I thought it looked real enough. I think that was not really just to make it look real. <laughs> that was an extra fuck you. Yeah. No, it was totally vindictive. Yeah. Right. But they could totally play it off as, you know, if he escaped the car, it would seem to reason that the bad guys would chase him out to the desert and try to right. ensure that he was... Or just that he got more than shot more than Justin in the shoulder when there was forty something bullets riddled into the side of the car. <laughs> right, right. You know, right. And props to Nacho. There's a lot. Okay, as great as the scene between Kim and Howard was last episode, mm-hmm. the acting masterclass, as it yeah. was called. The acting, I think, is even better in this episode because there's so much acting non-verbally mm-hmm. and so much in the expressions and. Just the nonverbal stuff that that I think is harder to pull off. Um, as well, like I was saying that about the twins, the murder twins that come in later, like that's harder to do, right? You know, and uh, so there's so many meaningful looks and little like reactions. They so they there's reactions to things like when the headshot happens, mm-hmm. Nacho winces, and the and the pain he's going through of his partner, mm-hmm. I guess you know getting disrespected like this, right? You know. And, and plus, it just kind of uh, it validates what a lot of people say. Like, how, how does this show not have more accolades for the acting? In right. It? Oh, and the directing. Because mm-hmm. I've seen great actors, if you've ever seen The Happening, like, <laughs> it's the worst acting by everybody in that movie. And you can watch another movie, and they all act so much better. Mm-hmm. And that's all part of the directing and having high standards, too. Yeah. Awesome. So I guess my, my thing was, is uh, what was the plan if Nacho actually did die? There wasn't one. They don't. I guess it would kind of work its way out, right? It <laughs> well, would work like, itself out. It would be discovered, and it would just go down as a hit. I guess. I mean, right? I guess. It would, like I said, they I, did I guess dress up the scene because they put what was that taillight pieces mm-hmm. or something along the road, and um, presumably yeah. the debris from getting the light shot out. Or you know, or they just seen so many people get shot in the abdomen. They know you got a couple minutes before you bleed out. Yeah. Or pass out again. Not the first rodeo, right? But I, I guess had Nacho died, then I guess it's a wash, right? Well, because even though he, but anybody who's seen Bra- him, anybody who's seen Breaking Bad knows Nacho doesn't die yet. So I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they watched Breaking Bad before before this. Before they did this, like, okay, well, not he's going to survive this, right? Right. right. No, I, I don't know what the backup plan would be. If he I, I guess there probably wouldn't even need to be one because like Nacho would be dead. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a wash, right? No, because Salamancas are going to want answers, and and Nacho's there to give answers. That's what I'm saying. Like, so they, if Nacho's they want gone, answers, what if he would have really died? That's what I'm saying. Is that that's what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Is that if he really died, I think shit would get real bad mm-hmm. because now you don't have the answers. Now you don't know who hit on them, right? And uh, hit on them, okay. <laughs> who put who who enacted the hit on mm-hmm. them? And I don't know. That's that's actually a good question. Mm-hmm. What would the backup plan be? I don't know. I, I guess it's a good thing he did not. Yeah. Die. But if you guys have any cool theories of out there, what potentially would have played off had Nacho died, let us know. We'll be well, this, more than happy you know, to. This goes back to the. I, I know guess. Reginald out there will write me like a big four page <laughs> long email, which is cool. Which is cool. I'm not. I'm not mocking the man. I, I love that he interacts like that. I, yes. I, I bet. I bet Reginald has like a big. He's probably already worked out five scenarios <laughs> as to what would have happened. Well, I'm I'm like harkening back to the opening scene from last episode. It's like opening scenes without backup plans. Because mm-hmm. when they're in the hospital and like the you know the mob bought the mob doctor and like his only backup plan is to be like, well, I have a clipboard, so I'm supposed to be here, right? You know, because we said the same thing. <laughs> what was your exit strategy if this goes wrong? Right, exactly. But mm. I, I guess they're they're tried and true professionals, right? So the risk was mitigated severely. There you go. Okay, cool. Opening scene is uh, the uh, the scale. Cigarettes on the scale. Cigarettes on the scale. How much do those ashes weigh? I don't know. Once, <laughs> once again, more black and white, more distorted. That yeah. has to be the direction that they're going. I think so. It, it seems to me now, I didn't think of this in other seasons, but now I'm thinking almost every episode is getting more and more black and white. Mm-hmm. So 
Hopefully, I got my fingers crossed. I actually crossed. think we've discussed this several times. But no, but not per episode. Not that each episode gotcha. within the season is getting more to where the last episode. Oh, so you're saying like all 10 this season, like the opening itself, like the credit, like regardless of the subject uh-huh. of the opening, the opening itself is getting more distorted. So like yeah. not year over year, like not like right. scale with say asses like, on it, year over year getting more great. Also throughout the season, it's getting more and more. Yeah. Like say up. like season one, it flashed three times. Season two, like every episode flashed four times. Now it's like season four. It's like the first episode flashed five times. The next one flashed six times. The next one flashed gotcha, seven times okay. to where. And the V holds starting to give a little yeah. bit too. Okay. So <laughs> I'm hoping, and I'm, I got my fingers crossed for this, is that your theory becomes correct that the last episode is all black and white. Mm-hmm. This is when he becomes Saul or whatever and gets into Breaking Bad. And then the last season, which has been like apparently confirmed on IMDb, mm-hmm. uh, is all about Gene. Yeah. That would be cool. That, that would be, be cool. a great way to wrap it up because then you can get your Saul wrapped up. You get. Uh, your post Breaking Bad wrapped up too, and that's that's a good call because we'll talk about it later. But you mentioned as we were watching it, uh, there was one line in there: Breaking Bad started as of this episode. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and, that, we'll, and we'll get to that. But that that was a good call. I heard the line and I knew it had significance, mm-hmm. but I didn't put that together until you said that. And I was like, oh, good, good job, Dave. So I'm going to give you two points. All right, for that one, Dave. Sweet. So we open up and we see uh, uh, Mike and Jimmy at the diner discussing the uh, the Hummel doll. Mm-hmm. Mike, as always, noticeably annoyed. Yeah, and uh, Jimmy thinks he has like this big heist, right? Like, right. Like, like, like Jimmy thinks this is like the Lafonza heist <laughs> going on, but uh, no, it's it's just a Bavarian boy. And just for reference, as of right now, August sixteenth, twelve forty five p.m., that doll is on sale at eBay. For $33. Is that the buy it now price or is the reserve? That's the buy it now price. Okay. You can buy. So. So everybody go buy them and let's drive that price up to where it should be. No, I guess I'm saying check out the price. (laughs) Now, everybody that's listening to this, check out the price of that Dow now post. Yeah. Post this episode. And I'd like to see if it goes up or some collector. Because we talked about it. I'm like, I might buy this damn thing. Right. Just to see what I could do. Just for shiggles. But. Uh, I, that's, I buy that's enough. shits and giggles. Right. One word, by the way. Very nice. Shiggles. Yeah. Well played. I'll give you another <laughs> point. So you're up three zero. So you know what I mean? Like, so I'm curious to see. Yeah. What would be, what would be interesting if the person who has that real life Hummel Bavarian boy down on sale for $33, I'd like to see if he's actually a better call Saul <laughs> fan and either jacks up the low reserve, or oh. I'd like to see the bidding war that ensues. Yeah. By people just saying, "Hey, I wonder if just that's follow it." Can you get like an email when it gets sold? I can. I'm gonna. I'm gonna follow it. Maybe we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll discuss it on preview. With yeah, the maybe we can have. When does the auction end? Maybe we, if hopefully it'll be out by the time preview the prior. By the way, two points for all this. For for all, yeah, three to two. Okay, because this is research I didn't do, and it's, okay. it's it's actually kind of intuitive and clever. All right, so I'm pulling it up right now on eBay. Okay, so uh, the condition is used. Uh-oh. Okay, and the seller is how so this is person a better- figurine used? What do you? <laughs> they just sit. No, so I'm condition, gonna get, so, condition is looked at a lot. So I'm just saying the seller is Sculpit S C U L P I T. Okay, uh, he has 100 percent positive feedback. Oh, so Sculpit, I'm actually going to contact him after we record this and say <laughs> that we do this podcast. <laughs> well, first I'm going to watch it. So we're uh, tracking your sale. Right, That's I, I might have made him a decent amount of money. Yeah, or Better Call Saul might have made him a decent amount of money. Okay, so it's added to my watch list. It's added to my watch list right now. It's at thirty three dollars and twenty eight cents. Is to buy it now. Okay, offer. So it's not even an auction. Oh, it's not even all. It's just buy it now. It's just buy it oh, now. Oh, I don't know if that's going to change then. I'd like to see if it does. Also, I want to see how fast it gets scooped up after this episode. True. So this is going to be interesting. So what's going to happen is after all this plays out, I'm going to reach out to the seller and see what his thoughts are okay. on this. Because he's probably had this on eBay for. There's probably one in our hometown because there's like 25 antique shops. <laughs> right yeah there's probably like a whole shelf just full of these things just hanging out there that was such an inside joke that you guys don't know how many antique shops yeah the town, town that dave and i are from the whole downtown area is literally like 20 antique shops for a town of like three thousand people yeah it's so funny um seller says excellent condition no cracks no chips like new okay it better be like new it's a figurine <laughs> right <laughs> right you dust it that's like 
I mean, whatever. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> go on eBay, search uh, Goble Hummel Vintage Bavarian Boy figurine on sale now for thirty three twenty eight. And I'd like to see an Unsaw Goodman listener get that. that would be if you pick this up and you hear our podcast, please, please reach out to me. We'll give you a point. Yeah, we'll give you one single point. That's but right. it'll be like the most... It's, well, it's like internet currency. Yeah, it's, inter- yeah. It's, it's, it's like it's Bitcoin. like it's like yeah, it's like a third of a Bitcoin. It's like shit coins, like <laughs> shit because it comes coins. from us. So, <laughs> but either way, okay. So enough about that. Bavarian boy, real life cost thirty three bucks. Buy it now. But apparently, in Breaking Bad world and Better Call Saul world, it'll net you eight thousand dollars. Yeah, apparently. Man, that eBay guy, <laughs> he's, he's uh, he he doesn't know what he has. Well, you know things depreciate over time, and this was. 2006 mm-hmm. right this is 10 over 10 years right. ago so i'd like to think that maybe he's he's like maybe uh, it's been mass produced since maybe this guy is our real-time version of you you hear a news story where some lady finally moves to the nursing home at 95 years old and they they're liquidating all the shit in her garage and then she finds up they <laughs> find like american lo- pickers type yeah thing. or like find a picasso that's been lost right. since world war ii or, or even though picasso wasn't around then but you know what i mean like because he's basically he's the guy that Jimmy's describing to Mike. Oh, this guy's just got this figurine sitting on a shelf collecting dust. He's not going to yeah. know that it's gone. This is that guy. This is what that guy. This was some sort of weird viral marketing. <laughs> I'm on to you, AMC. <laughs> I'm on to you. Hummels don't even really exist. <laughs> <laughs> uh so we we talked about in preview with a prior. You asked me if I, if I think that Mike was going to go through with it, and I said yeah. no because he has some sort of weird ethos to him, right? right? Like, yeah, like it's like it almost has to mean something to him, right? Before he would, and uh, that was verified here. You know, he's just like by no. Mike's question. Yeah, and he asked him why. He's like, "Did somebody wrong you? Is this a personal <laughs> vendetta, or right. is this really about the cash?" Because right now, buddy, I'm raking uh, twice that money a week. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's my own money, yeah. but I'm still getting it back. Yeah. With taxes. Four thousand dollars doesn't Minus even tax. I don't even get out of bed for four thousand dollars. Yeah. That's what Mike's so that's thought two days right. work. Yep. Shh. I do like how Mike tried the old like reverse psychology, like, well, fine, you know, if you don't want it, if you don't like easy money, <laughs> that's right. your business. <laughs> like Mike is ever gonna be swayed by anything like that. Right. It's well, so great. He and he seems Jimmy seems to be obsessed, like he, I don't know, he seems seems to think that four thousand dollars is a lot of money these days. Mm-hmm. Or those days. Or those days. Yeah. In that spot of his life, because mm-hmm. he thinks that checks. Well, I'm, you know, d- I'm just yeah. telling you right now. In 2018, four thousand dollars is still a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> still a lot of money to me. So, I mean, if that's not a lot of money to somebody, well, it's a lot of money. 4, but is it worth that? It almost seems petty. I don't know. I guess four thousand dollars for eight what minutes if, of work isn't. That- what if after this show, somebody breaks into that seller's house and steals his humble down now? <laughs> Thirty bucks will split it even. <laughs> yeah, you and I. If you don't like because easy money. <laughs> for me, 30 bucks is like two days of work. Right. <laughs> so. <laughs> <sighs> All right, moving on. So Mike declines. Right. Jimmy leaves. Right. Calls the vet. Mm-hmm. Says he's got a sick fish. Mm-hmm. It's all about the goldfish, man. Right. There's so much going on. It's the goldfish is in like every scene. It's like the lamest alibi. Yeah. Like you, well, you think is there's something more? <laughs> well, no. It's it's a good alibi. It's just that like with the show, like every scene in the apartment has a goldfish tank in the corner. Mm-hmm. He's always feeding the fish. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always bringing the fish into the vet. Mm-hmm. So something about goldfish. Maybe it has some sort of weird allegory to the fact that they say that you can actually train a goldfish if you repeat the same motion enough ah. and feed it, and it'll it'll jump through like a hoop or move to the other side of the tank. Interesting. Maybe Jimmy is is the goldfish. The goldfish. He just <laughs> seems sporadic and all over the place. But throughout all this, throughout all this, he's learning the ropes, and also to cover gold- his tracks and be a bigger criminal. Jimmy, Jimmy, and also goldfish grow to the size of the container in which they are hold mm-hmm. held, which they are held. Nice. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Like Jimmy's ego. Look at that. Or personality or whatever. Nice. Ah. Nice. Jimmy the Goldfish. Take that, Reddit users. <laughs> it's a way better theory than you've ever thought of. No. Now I'm going to get like all sorts of emails like, hey, I'm on Reddit. <laughs> Reddit, for all, the, for all the amazing things that come from Reddit, there is such a large group of people on there that think like Reddit is the world. It's like right. a weird cult of personality. It's, it's really odd. Um, all right. So now we're back to Nacho in the desert. The murder twins are on the job, very much like an evil Hardy, Hardy boys. Not the Hardly boys from <laughs> South Park, but There's the Hardy boys, Hardy boys mysteries. Nancy Drew, Nancy Drew mysteries is on the case. 
using their using their brilliant powers of deduction, they they uh, <laughs> they uh, come up with. You know, it's apparent that, uh, I, and I don't want to get too technical here or use like too big of words, but I um, using their powers of deduction, they definitely came to the conclusion that um, shit went down. <laughs> totally. Totally, and this is what I was talking about with the with the nonverbal acting mm-hmm. and all one hundred percent body language and looks. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they're doing they're doing a bang up job, totally. I tell you. But then we get to hear one talk. Yeah, Lionel talks. Lionel <laughs> or Leon? Oh, okay. Now I'm gonna get called out for pronunciation. L e o n e l, Lionel, 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 Lionel. Oh, just correct me. Yeah. Brant, Brant. Brant, send me a YouTube. Send, send I'm, I'm great t- YouTube. I have my phone right in front of me, and I'm too lazy to look it up myself. Mm-hmm. Brant, correct me. Yep. Uh, which, by the way, we actually spoke to uh, Louis Mancada. Mancada. Mancada, who plays one of the murder twins. So I guess Marco. He plays Marco. So if you want to hear, if you want to hear the murder twins speak in real life, we actually one interviewed of them. them a couple years ago. One, one of them. them. The brother didn't come up. Marco, he, yeah. not the one that talked in this episode. Sweet though. guy, sweet guy, good. Yeah, story, really so. awesome. Like the, the opposite of his character. Like, yeah, he's absolutely. good at looking intimidating because I wouldn't fuck with either of them. Absolutely. Um, but then they asked Nacho, "Who was it?" Mm-hmm. He says, "I don't know. Silver car might have been a Firebird, mm-hmm. probably a Camaro. They look yep. alike." And then, uh, then they burnt that shit down to the ground, man. Torch that shit. Indeed. Yeah. That's right. Everything's just going up in flames. Nice camera shot, too, with the sun through the smoke. And, mm-hmm. mm. Awesome cinematography, for sure. For this is sure. what the show is about. Yay, yay. Okay, so this next scene with Kim at Mesa Verde. At the green table? Or just in general? What, what about the green table? Just Kim's That's at a green table? English for Mesa Verde is... Green table. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a restaurant. I can't even pronounce Ignacio. Like, look, I don't speak Spanish. I think remember I speak a, a my name was Ignacio in high school Spanish class, mm-hmm. so yeah. I can speak pequeño español. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Kim's back at Mesa Verde uh, with a new paralegal. Her name is Viola Goto. There you go. Uh, they find uh, pretty much. You know, the whole point of the scene is the bank is looking to expand quite aggressively. Yeah. So my, my whole thoughts on this is, one, Kevin from Mesa Verde uh-huh. reminds me of Champ Kind from Anchorman. <laughs> Whammy! <laughs> Doesn't he? That's what he was talking. I was like, holy shit. I actually, for a minute there, had to think of that. Like, I looked it up as we were watching if that was the same fucking guy from, from Anchorman. So... Champ Kind represent, even though that's totally not the same actor, but that's totally who he reminded yeah, me of. Big fan of David Kessner, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we can get him on the show and ask him how it was starring. <laughs> hey, you look like somebody in Better Call Saul, uh, which we do a podcast so about. Tell me about your fe- <laughs> How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, um, so Kevin shows Kim the models for, I, I guess, what he what he would like every Kevin apparently to look like apparently 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 Kevin is a supervillain, yeah, <laughs> which is the vibe I got because that is totally what happens. Like, check out my you know my nefar not so nefarious plot that's actually nefarious. I say that word a lot in this show. Yeah, yeah. Check out my super legit and by the book plot or yeah, whatever. Totally you know. non, but totally not insidious. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kim's just like kind of sees through it and is like, holy shit. And then like, right. you even said something about that. Well, too. before we get to that, first off, I thought it was weird that there was such wildly different architectural designs for every <laughs> branch. Well, you know, you want to incorporate the local themes and aesthetics into things. I guess, that you but build. there's usually like a prototype, especially if you're going to expand aggressively because yeah. then it's easier to buy bulk materials and right. set up bulk labor. Right, right. Like, but like some of World those War like, II housing. Some of those look like the fucking uh, like, uh, look like uh, the Fortress of Solitude with like all the different angles, and, <laughs> right? And one just looked like a like a box. It, it was really, yeah. it, it was really funny how they they wild. One had different. a whole entire glass wall with a north facing lot, or which what, is energy know? efficient, which Kevin likes, right? Which, yeah, which he good. heard is good. I think he said he heard that that's good, right? Yeah, he doesn't know himself. Rumor is right. <laughs> Rumor is. Rumor is energy efficiency is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Just in case you didn't know. Yeah, we're not sure. Right. But, I mean, you know, people talk about it all the time. I mean, there's studies that are pro and con. So. Mm-hmm, indeed. Um, 
so so one Kim is immediately apprehensive, and at first I started thinking, well, Kim is the lawyer, so maybe she knows that this is not viable, and he's just being a little too enthusiastic about his success. Yes, right. So I, at first I thought, well, Kim is is trying to find a way to say, yo, Kevin. Slow your roll, homie. Right. Like, I, I don't know how you think that we're going to build like all these like multi-million dollar buildings with weird designs. Because right. we're, we're not quite there yet. This is like, reminds me of like Ant-Man when like Darren is all like excited to show Hank. Like, hey man, look what I'm doing with the thing. And I have all this stuff and we're going to sell it to the military. And Hank's just like, dude, you're going to fuck this all up. Right. Yeah. You know, check yourself. Check yourself. This is my, like, you don't do this without me. Right. But you're going to try and move on past me. Cheek, check yourself. Least. You wreck yourself. Before you Wexler yourself. yourself. Nice. Well done. I'll give you another Wexler. point for that. So you wex yourself? Four to two? Check yourself before you wex yourself. <laughs> That's the point. Four to two. I'll, I'll take that. But, but then it had like the weird undertone musical score, mm -hmm. and it got really ominous, right? Yeah. I think I said to you, I'm like, this reminds me of the classic movie trope when somebody you think is on the team of the good guys suddenly it starts becoming apparent that they're actually the mastermind of the evil plot. Right. Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like, I was almost expecting Kim to do the whole thing where she's like, oh, uh, yeah, no, you know what? I have another appointment. Right. And then, like, walk out <laughs> like abruptly. Slink away. And then, like, Hank and break it bad when he found, when he figured out Walt was yeah, Eisenberg, just, you know? And he's like, oh, yeah, I mean, my stomach hurts, and he throws up on the way home. I right. almost thought they were going that direction. Because then I was like, well, what the fuck did I miss? I don't remember him being set up as some sort of supervillain. No. But then right after that, you were like, yeah, that's really ominous. Like, it seems like yeah. and something it, more is going on there but I, I feel like this show plants at least so many seeds i can't think of anything that would even hint at the fact that kevin is some sort of nefarious character right no I, and i'm not thinking that it's gonna go there and i think this was the moment when i said god damn it i have to change my theory on kim now okay so i'm gonna change my theory on kim now okay so i'm recap, still gonna recap recap the first theory the theory i'm still going to say that she dies okay. at some point that's always going to be a joke that i say mm -hmm. but what if there's different ways this could go. She's very overwhelmed that she sees this possibly not going bad or good and has Viola take over writing up the proposal that she was going to do, mm -hmm. correct? So what if this makes Kim blow up? She has to hire so many people. She has to start her own law firm, and that's why she's not around. Okay. She kind of takes over the void that HHM is leaving because HHM is, is just completely up in arms, like, fucked right now. Possible. That's, that's not bad. So... So the the whole ominous tone and stuff like that is just probably more of a more of a foundation for for her basically man I don't know how to phrase this okay so it's it's more of a it's more of a foundation of it, it shows her being overwhelmed by the situation I right, think as opposed to showing that he has some sort of right yeah okay. it's about her and her thinking like this is a lot of work yeah which this I'm sure is... will all make sense and be cleared up like three episodes from now because that's right. just how they do shit exactly but I'm just saying in the moment <laughs> as you watch that it just seemed like what what is going on with Kevin right you know I saw Anchorman he didn't seem like that bad of a guy. <laughs> <laughs> but no I don't I don't see that like you know that's I only see it affecting more so affecting her because mm -hmm. this is a lot of work mm -hmm. for her to do yeah okay. and she is a hustler and a go-getter so this could make her be super successful or this could break her right and uh starting to then, feel the weight then she dies the walls are closing in right because right. you know she has a lot of shit going on right now mm -hmm. you know her feelings towards the man in her life is kind of becoming strained a little bit mm -hmm. her she's at odds with her ex-partner she apparently has no family and very minimal friends <laughs> right <laughs> like throughout yeah. the series right she's a total workaholic yep. and and now with seeing this aggressive expansion plan shit's starting to get a little too real is right. that where we're going with that i think so yeah okay i, I think so complete, completely viable awesome probably more realistic than kevin being a super villain but <laughs> but uh you know what we have seven episodes to go so right so you never know he might shave his head and get a cat <laughs> <laughs> in the show if we ever see just random footage of a cat walking along mesa verde that's totally where it go is going is the super villain mode <laughs> then we're at the vet good to see joe de rosa again as the vet yeah it's got a pretty big role in this episode i like it mm -hmm. i like it's it about time yeah about time it took three seasons of his character to be used there just to, to, to bring some of that east coast sound and charm around because he does not talk like a westerner no he's definitely no. got that east coast vibe going on yeah um 
no offense to people on the East Coast, but y'all talk alike. And, and it kind of pulled a, uh, <laughs> it kind of pulled, it, it kind of pulled a, um, not really a switcheroo, but when maybe I saw this wrong, but like did we we saw the vet before we saw Jimmy, right? Yeah. And so at first, if, I kind of thought when we saw the vet, I was like, oh, he's gonna take care of Nacho, but then no, oh, it, Jimmy appears with his fish or whatever. I didn't even think about that honestly. Yeah. And then Jimmy appears with his fish, and I'm like, oh, okay, so. He's going to hook Jimmy up with. Oh, the reason I thought that is because I realized that Jimmy called the vet earlier, mm-hmm. which apparently you missed. Yeah, I, it might have just been a throwaway thing to me where I'm yeah. just like, oh, okay. No, when it. he said, because I, I just noticed that damn goldfish thing. So then I was like, okay, well, he's going to be at the vet. So mm-hmm. when they show the vet, I was like, okay, here's Jimmy trying to call somebody to go steal the figurine. Mm-hmm. Yep. Crossing and, my fingers, hoping it's Kubi. <laughs> hoping it's Kubi. And, uh, it is a different Breaking Bad character. We'll get to that later. Yep. Uh, but it's just Jimmy asking for his help to set him up with somebody to steal this apparently four eight thousand dollar figurine. Right, exactly. He should have just checked eBay. Thirty three dollars. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, you know, she just wait, waited twelve years, checked eBay. There right. you go. So could have got it for a steal, right? Which also, so he's not doing this for Irene then. No. Or is he going to pay the guy four grand, pay him his half, and give the figure to Irene? No, I think he's just after the money. I think I was wrong on that. Yeah. He's just like he, his jogging the memory of the last episode when he's looking at it or initially yeah, thinking think, about Irene. He just kind of, it's that whole like, oh, okay, was, moving on. Yeah. He was just kind of being like a little reflective, like, yeah. uh, like kind of cringing at himself, like, oh, yeah, the whole Irene thing. Yeah. But hey, $8,000 is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Four, 4K, buddy. <laughs> right. So, um, so uh, the character's name is Ira, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically, he kind of takes over for the vet and he's like, I'll show you how to recruit evildoers. Right. Like, I'll show you how to recruit criminals. And the vet's just like, what the fuck? Like you came to me. Right. Brah. And like, I, I'm the middleman. Yeah. Cause if you start going directly, cause he even says, I get like, my he, cut. He says something to the fact he's like, wait a minute, that's this how, this works. how this works. Yeah. Like, yeah. That, no, like, no, Once, maybe you need to slow your roll, homie. Right. <laughs> a lot of, a lot of roles need slowing in this episode. <laughs> <Apparently>. Right. <laughs> but, um, I like that. Jimmy's kind of really aggressive about it. Well, he wants that. He wants that paper. Yeah, get 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 that paper. Yeah, indeed. And uh, so he apparently knows how to pick a Yale three pin. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but I like how he Just says. No, he knows how to do it. I like how he says eight minutes, ten if you stop to pick your nose. Mm-hmm. Does it take you two minutes to pick your nose? It takes me seconds, man. Yeah, we're we're like, from the country. Man. I would have said like not rocket. <laughs> <laughs> Farmers blow. Yeah. Plug one, blow out the other. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so like it would take me eight minutes or eight minutes and fifteen seconds if I picked my nose. Mm-hmm. Unless it's really in there, mm-hmm. then we're gonna you know, have I to do a fact check on this. We're gonna have to set up a scenario and <laughs> see. That's what a more in depth podcast would do is they'd probably spend half an hour right. thinking how long it would take and like it, of, like we're doing MythBusters and all. Right, and then they would make like a shitty YouTube video. It'd be like <laughs> the truth about Better Call Saul episode four hundred three. Circle pointing to random shit, and then it would just be them reenacting some sort of dumb burglary. Don't forget, the thumbnail has nothing to do with the video. Never. <laughs> Never. It's always something completely innocuous with a big red arrow pointing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, shit. What What does the doorknob have to do with anything? And then there's like, and then like all it is is like they just open a door. And it has right. nothing. Yeah. It's a, uh, uh, YouTube. Bullshit. Okay. So. Ten movies mm-hmm. with super obvious fault lines. And the screenshot would be like Batman Begins. And then they never talk about Bam Bam again. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> um, and again, I love that uh, Jimmy pretty much uses a completely disposable pet as an excuse to go see the, see the vet. That's his goldfish. It's a, it's a, it's I, a well, character you mentioned he's in this taking show. a lot more care of it this year. I'm just saying, typically, a, like most people don't care that much about goldfish. That's, he probably buys a new goldfish every time he goes <laughs> to the vet. That's, there's just a pile of. She, by the way. And he would know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's a, a goldfish cool. expert. Um, but then the murder twins come in, and Jimmy and the murder twins cross paths. What are you laughing at? Depends on what gender the goldfish chooses to identify. No. <laughs> Do Mur- they cross paths? Jimmy's on his way out. Murder twins come in. I didn't see. They don't even cut the scene, right? Oh, he, I he left. I think I was writing. I think I was writing down. As my, I understood uh, it, Jimmy was walking out and walks right past one of the murder twins coming in. I believe that would be Leonel. But but I'm pretty sure unless I saw that incorrectly and I've watched this twice now. I'm pretty sure they it was kind of like as soon as Jimmy leaves, 
Murder Twin comes in, so they cross paths. And they have they, they don't cro- acknowledge each other. Because I don't think they just, know each other. Yet. No, they're complete strangers. Yeah. It's just, I guess, to show that the, you know this all takes place in a very small world, right? They just kind of. What like, was the scene where the guy, one of the twins, was up on a roof over a, over a swimming pool? Uh, that's when they were tailing Mike. Oh, that's Mike. Okay, mm-hmm. not Jimmy. Right. So okay. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. They yeah, that's very. Paths. That is very interesting. Right. The vet is kind of the linchpin of this whole underworld. For now. For now. Right? Yeah. He's trying to. He's trying to get out now too. Apparently. Right. And the vet goes to work on uh, Nacho, which brings me back to the original thing where I was like, "Oh, he's gonna take care of Nacho. Oh, he's gonna set up something for Jimmy. Oh, he's back to taking care of Nacho." <laughs> <laughs> Insert. What did I say? What did I call this? The uh, super artistic. Super crazy artistic montage. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Super. Uh, very graphic. Yeah. Very graphic. Totally. Very cool. Um, and probably a lot of attention to detail and realistic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Nacho now has a bullet in his shoulder. You might set off a few metal detectors. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, one of the murder twins has a typo negative blood type, so apparently Nacho does as well. Marco. Marco. Is O negative the one that can be used on anybody? I believe so. Okay. Well. Yeah. Well, of all apparently the you can you can siphon it out as if it were a tank of gasoline. <laughs> of all the luck, right? Or is that why he's pumping his hand? Is he, I think he's pumping his hand to like to get the simulate because when they do blood transfusions, don't they pump the bag? They pump the bag, right? So I think that's what yeah. he's doing. Is um, I I don't know if anybody out there is an EMT or doctor or something like it's that. It's really not that important. Yeah, he's getting blood. Yeah, the movie. True. Yep, or it's a TV show. Yep, and he even sniffs the. Yeah, this, the this, gauze, the sniff test. Yeah, to see which if the, we both were questioning, like at first, like what, why? I assumed checking for infection. Uh, apparently, he's sniffing for shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what he's, doing. <laughs> what he's doing. That's exactly what he's doing. Uh, the the vet gets kind of aggressive there, where he whispers to to Nacho, you know, I never want to fucking see you again. Yeah, he goes all Rich Hardesty on him. He does, yeah. <laughs> Look up Rich Hardesty. Never want to fucking see you again. Good song. Yeah. He was on our Nothing Important podcast. Yeah. But um, that that kind of struck me because, you know, maybe the vet kind of has a little bit more balls than... A little bit. And also, like, he, he... I think he just likes where he's at. Shit's getting fucked up because nobody can slow their goddamn roll. Right. And so he's just like, everybody, just like, slow your roll. My roll's slow. I want to keep it slow right. because I'm in a good spot. I have my I have a successful veterinary practice, mm-hmm. which apparently has a lot of legit clients because every time <laughs> right. he's there, there's people in the waiting room. Right. And then I do this small stuff on the side so I can go on vacation once in a while. Mm-hmm. But let's keep it petty. Yeah. Uh, burglaries and like nonviolent crimes. Right. And I need I, you. I need you people to buy me a boat, not put me in a jail cell. Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, but that's too that much heat. A, too much. That's heat. a gutsy move because the murder twins were right there. If I were the murder twins, that's I'd be why like, he whispered it. But that alone, they they were looking at him, and he leans right. In. Like, what are you whispering? Yeah, what what do you got going on, man? Tell him maybe that'll come back to bite him in the ass. Maybe setting uh setting the seeds. They are the murder twins. They are they are the murder twins, and not because they murder twins, but they're twins who murder. <laughs> although although they they may at some point, mm. or may have, again professionals. They've been at this a while. They've been at this a while. Well, you don't get shoes like that by being a rookie. That's true. <laughs> That's true. That is a. Uh, status symbol for sure. Totally. You're established. You're established at that point. <laughs> yeah, Mexican gang members is their st- their shoe size is like disco dancers from the 70s and their collar size. Mm-hmm. Like the bigger the better. Right, exactly. You know, the pointier. Yep, that's fact. <laughs> the more intrusive on someone else's Look personal space, the better. Look it up. Don't believe us? Look it up. Google that shit. <laughs> kind of a Dennis Leary ripoff joke I just made. Uh, that's okay. All jokes are ripped off from somewhere. All right, on to the caper. Tell me about Ira, Dave. Ira, who was listed in the credits mm-hmm. before the airing of the show. Mm-hmm. So this is one of those like we're going to give you a little bit, but we're keeping the real secret for later because mm-hmm. there's a there's a big a big return guest later. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ira was the manager of the Vaminos Pest Removal Company, mm-hmm. which was a front for cooking meth. In like one episode of Breaking Bad. Yeah, that was actually one of my favorite mo- favorite moments of Breaking Bad. I'm like, that's oh. pretty. That's pretty good. That's Big fan good. of the IRA, huh? Yeah, mm, you are Irish. Yeah, Aaron Gobra, man. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's cool. Cool again, just like uh, just like Nick from last episode, right? Like it's not even like an ancillary character, right? Like it's like lower right. than ancillary character. Well, I, yeah, p- pivotal. Yeah, you know, they, there's no small, there's no small, small parts, only small yeah. people. Good world building. Yeah, totally. Good world. Good, building. good. 
uh, attention to detail and, and keeping things consistent and giving us little nuggets and Easter eggs because I'm sure we miss 80% of them. Yeah. We only catch the obvious ones. Yeah. And this one is as heavy handed as it gets. <laughs> he walks into the light so you can see his face and then walks mm-hmm. back into the shadows. Yep. So he, he breaks in. Yeah. Uh, he's doing his thing. And yeah. he almost gets foiled because of the marital strife of Mr. Neff. All because he bought his wife a vacuum. I know. How ungrateful is she? <laughs> and I told you while we were wa- we were watching this one together, and uh, I'm reminded, my mom taught me a lesson at a very young age. Mm-hmm. They do not buy your significant other cleaning supplies or things to do chores with because her friend threw an iron through a window after receiving it for Christmas. Yeah. From her husband. Yeah, I can see that. But yeah, so I, I can understand. I, I actually know that this is a plausible strife-building moment mm-hmm. to buy your wife a freaking vacuum cleaner as a gift. <laughs> right. <laughs> as top of the line as it is, that just means you want her to vacuum more. Mm-hmm. She ain't having that, apparently. Maybe maybe she should. And and judging by the way... Mr. Neff's house, but... And well, judging by his interaction, this is why it's great character writing, because it totally makes sense with the way he act, interacted with Jimmy at the interview. He's like a pushover. He's kind of weak. Mm-hmm. He obviously married a strong woman mm-hmm. that doesn't want to do chores. That's right. Although that's her role. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that you probably would have told your wife, uh, shut up and vacuum. I bought it for you. Actually, I'm the vacuuming guy <laughs> at, the, at the house. I love vacuuming. I'll vacuum all day. All fucking day. It is kind of, what's that word? Like a Zen thing. Mm-hmm. You know, instant satisfaction. One of those mundane, one of those mundane tasks where you can just kind of let your mind just mm-hmm. roam. Yeah, let I them actually, shower thoughts come in. You know, exactly. I enjoy vacuuming. So. Yeah, and uh, it, you're in my house right now, and you can tell that I don't. <laughs> uh, Neff and I are kind of play cat and mouse, and uh, call. He has to call in Jimmy because he's kind of in a weird situation. It was good to see Jimmy get a little hands on. Yeah, kind of getting emboldened, right? Usually he's he's back and kind of make a phone calls kind of guy, like a shot caller guy, but he, he got hands on here. Yeah. Well, he got, um, he wants the money and you know, he, he got the guy in it. He, he, he guaranteed that this would go smoothly and it didn't. Mm-hmm. So some of those like criminals with honor or whatever will help you get out. Like I set you up in this bad situation. He got fucked. I'll come help you out. Yeah, totally. So he did him a solid, right? Jimmy's a bro. And uh, what I'm wondering though, is cause I recalled Jimmy while, Neff was getting his pizza. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck has to specify to have your pizza sliced? If you live in Chicago, you do. Are you serious? Yes, because Chicago pizza comes typically so thick, and it takes like 40 minutes to cook. Well, as somebody who lived out west and is from the Chicagoland area, there's no goddamn good pizza out there. Right. <laughs> it's not even close. Well, I'm just saying. And if, and you're, if, any- if you're listening from Albuquerque, New Mexico, don't be offended. Just come to Chicago and get some real fucking pizza. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm just going to, just a little bit of culture in Chicago with the ways that the pizzas are cooked in Chicago. And they, it sucks to have pizza delivered because it, it's super good when you're at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. But if you have it delivered, they take so long to cook and it gets takes so long to deliver because you have to traverse the traffic of the city. Uh-huh. If you order a pizza in Chicago, always ask for it uncut. Okay. You have to specify it because otherwise the juices and all the stuff from the toppings and sauce will trickle down into yeah. the cracks from the cut, and it'll make it super and Sometimes soggy. it gets the cardboard soggy. Right. It makes the crust soggy. Right. So like a uh. thicker pizza, like if you ever, in Chicago, if you order Luminaldi's or Pequod's or... Uh, uh, pizza so, Uno or... Yeah, something yeah. like you want it delivered uncut, and you just cut it at home so everything stays as it should. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Because, yeah, I wrote yeah, that I've, down. I wrote. I've, I've learned my lesson a few times on that. So, but do you have to, like, if you don't say anything, they'll slice it? It depends on the company. Okay. Like, Luminaldi, like, usually they warn you. Like, if you say, like, a, like a large uh, like a large pizza with whatever toppings for delivery, they'll uh-huh. ask you, would you like that cut? Oh, okay. Because they'll cut it for you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, then it's on you. Right. Like, right. <laughs> like, right. So, so that's, at least as far as Chicago goes, that's a totally I, I, thing. I worked at a pizza place. My first job was at a pizza place. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't Chicago style pizza. They mm-hmm. actually kind of had their own twist on things. Right. They did have stuffed pizza, but I, in the year or so I worked there, I never didn't cut a pizza. No, it was always just assumed it was going to happen, and it happened with the big freaking half yeah. moon slicer. Yeah, and uh, always, always uh, cut it into as even slices as possible. There you go. That's right. Real Tw- quick, you want 12 a funny inch, story? Twelve I- inch in pie squares or twelve inch in pie uh, pie shapes, and uh, anything larger than that gets cut in squares. Mm. 
Real quick, this doesn't have to do with anything with anything, but when I used to make pizzas and deliver pizzas in college, if somebody was an asshole, uh. what I would do was is I, after the pizza came out of the oven, I would kind of scrunch the cheese back from the crust, uh-huh. use the circle cutter to cut around the crust, and then push the cheese <laughs> back to the crust to cover the incision, <laughs> and then cut it into the eight slices. <laughs> so when this asshole is all excited... Even though, like, when this asshole was uh, all excited to finally eat his pizza, he grabs the crust. All that comes off is the crust. Oh lord, mm-hmm. that's pretty. F- oh, you. I thought you meant like you would take the crust off. So when they go to grab it, they're grabbing just the cheese and sauce. No, you're, I would you're just getting it all. No, in their I hands. would make it look like the cheese. The crust oh, okay. was still attached. So they just pull off the crust. Just pull off the crust. <laughs> well, now you just made them free breadsticks. Well, well, or dipping sticks as they call them. In I Albuquerque. guess they've won that round. Then. I guess. I guess. <laughs> Well, the place you work for kind of sucked. Yeah, that's true. I also made dough at that place for a summer. Gumby's Pizza? Or no, Pizza? Monocles. Monocles? Okay. Uh, for some reason, I wrote, what's Jimmy's motivation? I have no idea why I wrote that down. Did, did, was there something out of character or really odd going on? Uh, I, I was kind of thinking he's he's kind of going pretty far as far as like setting the alarm off twice, okay, mm-hmm. but actually breaking into the car. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, holy crap, Like this can get him like even more trouble. Like right. This is felonious behavior, right? Again, mm-hmm. not his first rodeo. I like how we both simultaneously thought that Mister Neff ran behind the car to try to stop it because right. of the lighting in the scene. We had to rewatch yeah. it to make sure that he crossed in front of the right. tail. Like well, I was like, when I first saw that the was car, like strong move. Yeah, <laughs> strong what? move trying to stop the car from behind. <laughs> when I first saw the scene, I initially thought like, holy crap, this guy's going to run behind the car, get run over. Now Jimmy's like on the hook for like involuntary manslaughter right, or something, yeah. and uh, but then that's like too far because that's jail time, and right. he can't do any jail time, right? More than a couple days, yeah, maybe depending on how they write the show, I guess, right? But, exactly, yeah. Um, but no, he he totally didn't go and try to stop the car from behind. He got in the passenger door and so this this saved begs the question. And I think some people brought it up, and I think we we might have touched on a preview with the prior, but but um. So when Jimmy leaves the interview and he has the job, when he goes back in to berate them, mm-hmm. is he casing the joint? Or no, like when he I goes back he's... in, when right, because he leaves, and then he comes back in, is there a moment there that indicates that he thought like... I'm trying to like recall his like his expressions, like because he takes a deep breath and kind of sets himself up to do it. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes me think like he really is just like offended and doesn't want to work for these pussies. Right. You know, he does like that's not the type of people he wants to associate with. Mm-hmm. But it could also make but sense. But also, that he, he could have just been gathering up the his girder to, to do that because he has to blow it because he's going to rob the place. Right. So he's, which like, I still think that's my theory. I think he's already cased it. Maybe he did kind of glance up or something when he was taking his breath. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's column A, column B. Yeah. Totally. Opportunist. Yeah. Okay. Kind of glancing around, seeing what's up. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. But, it, it's, and, and a test. If I come at you like this, how are you going to react? You reacted that way? Okay, now I know you're a sucker and I can rob you. Yeah. And he called him a sucker. Yeah. Like, you're all suckers. <laughs> right. Because if they would have, if they would have, like, listened to his rant and been like, all right, we'll give you a call. Yeah. Maybe you wouldn't try and rob him because he'd be like, okay, these guys kind of have their shit together. Right. You know? Mm hmm. Okay. Cool. Good discussion on that. All right. Point, uh, point, point for Brian for bringing that up, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Gus calls Bolsa to, uh, to discuss everything that's going on. They've kind of ran into a few. Difficulties in their mm-hmm. whole operation. A few, uh, a few people getting murdered from their whole operation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He tells them to run some dummy loads, mm-hmm. and uh, Gus says that they got a week before the dealers dry out. Mm-hmm. All right. So Don Juan, excellent name by the name, by the way. Well, Don, Don Juan DeMarco, right, is the the mm-hmm. the suave ladies' man, mm-hmm. syphilitic mm-hmm. scourge of society. Mm. Scofflaw, if you will. <laughs> but Don Juan, they asked me. he wants to keep the money going in, right? Right. He wants to keep the money. It's a large going. operation. Right. A lot of miles. And the ensuing exchange, you had a little light bulb go over your head. Well, I could actually see it. Like, yeah. it appeared in real life. <laughs> and I was worried that it was going to fall on the floor, and then we were going to step in it in our bare feet or something. But, like, I saw the light go off, <laughs> and you looked at me and kind of raised an eyebrow, and you, you were like... That's exactly where Breaking Bad begins. Yeah, when 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 they say to run the dummy loads and the, and the dealers are drying a week, so then Bolsa's like, find a supplier on your side. That was it. When he says, find a supplier on your side, I was like, holy shit. 
they got to find that's Heisenberg is a supplier on their side, mm-hmm. and he took over for the not so pure meth or whatever. Right. Blah, blah blah. So this, yeah, that is the moment. And I guess I didn't realize that Gus wasn't. You know, he was all coming from across the border, mm-hmm. and now it's being manufactured. Now it's going to get manufactured. He's going to find a local guy. Mm-hmm. So totally kicks off Breaking Bad. Yeah, right there. Good call. Good call. I, you're not even going to get a point. I'll give you like a gold star. Oh, thanks. Look I'm pretty sure like half our listeners probably, or or more. You guys are smart guys. There's probably a bunch of them being like. And girls. There's probably like a bunch of them just being like. Uh, Duh. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone yeah. listening to this part of the show right now it's is like, just like, shut up and move on. Yeah. But we're just going to keep hammering it home. Yeah. Because this is where Breaking Bad started. Right. Yeah. Right here. I don't know if you heard that. This, this right. exact mo- or like that. Like that's, it took him four fucking seasons. <laughs> to get to that. To get to that mm-hmm. moment. And they're still not going to see Saul Goodman for a while. And then you brought up another good point because Gus goes to a high school. Yes, he does. So then, and and as soon as I realized, I was like, kids in backpacks. I see kids in backpacks running around. I'm like, this looks like a high school. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, this is a high school. Holy crap, Jesse Pinkman was cooking meth in high school. Yeah, he's got to come in soon. And I was actually waiting for him maybe to pop up or like. Maybe somebody in the background kind of dressed like him, like going down that stairwell yeah, that was in the something background. Like that. But no, I think like they might introduce that character if there's if he's scouring the high school looking for meth. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, okay, well, maybe he's just visiting because, you know, uh, what was that scene like Breaking Bad? He's like giving out scholarships or whatever. He's like doing all the yeah, because civil he, service stuff. He poises, he's like a pillar of the community. Right. right? Exactly. Like his, whole, his whole public persona is exactly. that he's Gus Fring. Pillar of the community. Bastion of society. Right. right? Yeah. But no, as it turns out, I was wrong on both counts. He's there to talk to a science, a phys, a chemist. He's there to talk to a chemistry professor about meth. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, Walter White going to turn around? No, Walter White's not going to turn right. around. Right. No, it's somebody else. It's Gail Boddicker. It's Gail Boddicker. But I'm, you know, just real quick, I'm glad that they didn't do anything stupid like just like somebody dressed like Jesse walking through the background right. or something dumb like that. I'm right. glad. I'm glad they didn't do that because. That's like the big thing. Everybody's like, oh, I wonder if Walt and Jesse are going to show up in, in Better Call Saul. Right. And it'd be weird because, like, it's hard enough to, like, make Bob Odenkirk and Jonathan Banks look younger uh-huh. than they were back then. Like, uh, there's no way they can make Jesse. Like, oh, Jesse, you're. <laughs> make Aaron Paul. It, it's look crazy how like 10 years ago you look 40 some years old. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they don't go that route. Like, right. I. Like, one of the things I, I like about this show is they avoid, for the most part, total cheese dick shit like that. Right. Like, people are like, well, man, wouldn't it be cool if uh, if Saul was on his cell phone on the street and then the Aztec pulls up and it's Walter White on his way home from high school? Right. Uh, like, no, that's not neat. That's, that's actually cheese dick. Like, that's yeah. very, like, I would hope. After all we've been through and through both series, that they could come up with a better. It's it's cool with minor characters. Mm-hmm. I like it with the minor characters, like the one, the thug that they gave a name and a more backstory. Right, right, that right. like that's cool because it's not expected and not the whole fan base isn't waiting for that to happen. Right. Whereas like the main characters, yeah, you're like people are waiting for it to happen and kind of looking for. Like I was, I was looking for Jesse, but that makes sense mm-hmm. to the plot, and they they didn't give it to us yet. Right. Right. Yet. Right. So a lot of people also posit that the big cameo from Jesse and Walt will happen eventually at the end because everybody everybody thinks that the series is going to end with the bag over his head, you know, and then like it'll uh-huh. that'll be the cameo for Jesse and Walt. I hope they never put Jesse and Walt in the show at all. And if they go through with that scenario and show like Saul's version of being pulled out to the desert with a bag on his head, uh-huh. it's just a dark screen with audio used directly from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna go there. I don't. I don't. Deep down, I've never this whole time expected Jesse Pinkman or Walter White to be in the show. Deep down, like it'd be nice to see it, and it seemed like the plot was heading towards that with this episode. Mm-hmm. Deep down, I don't, I don't think it's gonna happen, but I hope. It, I kind of hope it does. If anything, it might be like Badger or somebody because. Jesse Pinkman is the one that knows Saul's the criminal lawyer in Breaking Bad. Right, and he has to know through somebody. Right. So I'm thinking if it gets up to a point, it might be to where he makes his first commercial or something, mm-hmm. and then you know go from there. Yeah. But yeah, I'm not expecting the full-on crossover. But you know, there's a part of me that wants it to happen because... Why not? Yeah, yeah it's cool. You know, and it's cool because uh, Gail is obviously in it for the love of the game, for the love of chemistry. True, but there was a comment that he made that I wrote down, and... Uh, when he offers to cook, 
Mm-hmm. Right? He says, you know, I don't want to cast aspergences here, mm-hmm. which I think has been in other parts of this show, that exact phrase, mm-hmm. if I said that right. But these samples are garbage. Uh, dreck, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and he offers to cook. He says, you know, I can make a kilo here. Nobody even know. It's the least I can do. So what does he owe Gus? Yeah, he's indebted. Yeah. He's indebted. There is something going on there, and I kind of... It's such a cool mystery. I hope they... I'm sure they'll reveal it at some point, Mm -hmm. because they usually do. Like three episodes from now, that's going to be the opening where nobody has any clue what's going on. Yeah. And maybe Maybe. uh, maybe Gus saved Gale from a spike strip in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) He turned his car upside down and fixed it. He turned his his car upside down and fixed... Or his whole chemistry set. Turned his whole chemistry set upside down. (laughs) Well, he did explain, and I wonder, that's got to be some sort of metaphor, the whole, like, if you spin the water, it absorbs more salt. Mm-hmm. You know, like, when things start moving faster and faster, more chaotic, more elements get introduced. Yeah. Mm. It's like the whole show right yeah. there. Yep. That's yep. Kim's brain right now. Mm-hmm. Because she's working with Champ from Anchorman. Right. Right. Whammy. Whammy. All right. Lastly, we're back to Jimmy. Oh, wait. No, wait. So then after... So anyway, after he, uh, you know, least I could do, I love the not yet you were meant for better things because we all know that means a bullet to the face. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing about Breaking Bad. Gale died doing what he loved. He did. Trying not to die. (laughs) (laughs) Gale really loved trying not to die. And sure as shit, that's how he died. That is how he died. Doing what he loved. Yep. Mm. Back back to Jimmy and Kim. Kim gives Jimmy the letter and check. Yeah, Jimmy's sitting at the table eating his Ignacios. <laughs> <laughs> if you didn't listen to preview with prior, you don't know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he's eating his bowl of Ignacios, mm-hmm. and he brings the milk to the table again. He does. And this, I just don't, I don't get it. Jimmy brings a lot to the table. <laughs> and, uh, and it all goes bad and eventually. Some of it, <laughs> and uh, some of it's milk. <laughs> brings a lot to the table, and part of that is milk. Yep. <laughs> Excellent plot device to show his uh, callousness towards the last part of the towards scene. the dairy industry, <laughs> well, towards the letter. But we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah, he, he's 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 very like I love that. Like, oh, let's see what the old boy has to say. Right. <laughs> like reads it. Like yeah. Well, well he, say what you will about the man, he can write a letter. Yeah. Well, <laughs> he he's reading the letter like a high school kid, like reading out of a textbook. Mm-hmm. He's just reading the words. He's even saying new paragraph. Yeah. Like he's so emotionally uninvested. Mm-hmm. From what's going on, right? It makes Kim that much more emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. You know, I started with the with the five k, and he's just like, "Oh, cool, pay off a Mastercard bill." Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm about to get four more thousand dollars from the uh, you know the <laughs> from, from the statue. That I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Bavarian boy, yeah, right. Um, okay, so Kim is super emotional in that, and uh, obviously a lot going on. But I, I don't think I interpreted this the correct way. I don't know. I don't get why she broke down. I. I mean, there's a lot going on. A man she respects is now dead because he killed himself, largely due to the relationship of the man that she loves, which has also affected her ex-partner, now adversary, who was a partner with Chuck. So, like, every everything's a big tangle weave. I'd like to think that there's more to it than just her emotions got the best of her. Her like head is spinning. Right. More salt is being added. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's become, because of the whole Mesa Verde thing, that's right. overwhelming. She's be, She's more and more overwhelmed. And she's feeling that the world is on her shoulders. Right, but she's she's a very yeah. strong and driven and woman. And she's right? trying to keep it together, but sometimes the harder you keep it together, when you crack, you just explode that much harder. Yeah, I, I guess I'm just hoping that... Or she just thought it was a beautiful letter, mm-hmm. combined with the fact that Jimmy's not affected by it at all. He's mm-hmm. totally indifferent to what the letter has to say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of beautifully worded, and it is a very positive, supportive mm-hmm. letter. But then you also brought the fact that it's undated. Mm-hmm. So, so do you think? So, real quick, I guess just back to Kim. I hope that there's something more to it than just. Uh, well, Kim's 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 finally succumbing to her emotions. You know what I mean? I hope there's something more to that because Kim's not written as the type of woman who's there's there, ultra emotional. There is some subtle. This is the nonverbal acting thing again because mm-hmm. there are subtle reactions. That, that's why I looked over at you a couple of times during the scene to see if you were watching because mm-hmm. I know you're typing and stuff. Um, but there are subtle reactions to the way things were worded and the way Jimmy read them to make her, it almost seem like, how did that not affect you? Right. You know, she's looking right. at him like, that was beautiful. And you're just, you're, you know, yeah. 
And so it was kind of like her feeling sad for Jimmy. So maybe this is just where she kind of crosses the line. Because remember, I talked about before where like her whole, her whole image of Jimmy is starting to fall apart. Right? Yeah. Like this might have been the thing that pushed it over the line, which is fine. I just don't want it to be like, well, so much shit going on, and it's really hard for that woman to handle stress because right. that's totally no. not Kim. No, you know what I mean. So it has to be. <laughs> I think it has to be something more. Yeah, I which think that I, might be it. Is that might have been the moment where she's like, "Oh my god, this man is not at all what I thought he was." Like, or even for all of his faults, this is just a bridge too and far. It, it can go either way. It can go that, or it can be, "Oh my god, he he is." It can be like, "Oh my god, he is so affected by this that he's lost it." Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Like I like I was saying, I don't think I said it this episode yet. You know, a friend of ours passed away and I've noticed that uh, uh, another acquaintance has been acting kind of manic. Mm-hmm. And he's always been kind of a manic depressive, probably self-diagnosed. Mm-hmm. But he's been acting kind of strange and and not seeming to be grieving properly. Mm-hmm. And if you empathize with somebody like that, then she doesn't know how to get Jimmy to grieve properly, mm-hmm. which she thinks that he should be, right. then that affects her too. Gotcha. And she can just like kind of lose it over that. Mm-hmm. Cuz then she just leaves the room. And the only closure we get is the door behind her. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the door closure. The yeah. door closure. Mm-hmm. Nice. Nice. I like it. Digging it. Yeah. I like the, I like the, you can't see Dave, but he has a very self-satisfactory. <laughs> it was so good. A very self-satisfactory. I'm so proud of myself for that Self-satisfactory one. smirk on his face. Is that right cricket now. still here? <laughs> uh, Somebody very, calling me? What? Very good. It's, it's like when, when, when Brian gives himself a point. <laughs> i'm gonna go ahead and give myself two points just for uh right on yeah just for yeah me so then another thing that we debated mm-hmm. was did he write the letter knowing he was going to kill himself yes yeah because so i said wait. i noted that on the second watch when he wrote the words i don't want these thoughts and feelings to die with me mm-hmm. i thought i took that as he thinks his death is imminent he wrote this so Before. did he write it prior to telling Jimmy that he didn't he didn't no. much care for him? Don't I don't think so. Think so. Think I think I'm going to go back to the whole, he said that to chase to push Jimmy away, but now that he's gone, because that's very selfish, now that I'm gone, now you can know how I really feel, because now I don't have to deal with the repercussions of you mm-hmm. you know, feeling that way or whatever. Okay. He doesn't have to explain himself. Mm-hmm. It's in the letter. Yeah. Now I'm gone. Mm-hmm. This is the truth. Mm-hmm. See you on the other side. Mm-hmm. How's the Osborne? And Lita Ford. <laughs> <laughs> or he wrote it right after he graduated. You know, it could be something like after that. Jimmy? Like, you think it's the, maybe, maybe for years he had just thinking about taking that stuff of suicide and stuff like that. And that was just a general letter that at some point. Maybe he got. Right, because he, he got, obviously knew he was a little bit nuts, right? Even right. though he claimed, like, it's not me. It's, it's like, this is a real thing. Uh-huh. But even when he thought it was a real thing, it was probably driving him to the edge of. Right, I'm sure those thoughts crept in because a lot of people, when you have an affliction that won't go away, you look for a way out. Right, you know what I mean? So maybe yeah. this is just like a letter that's been there forever. Right. Could be, because I've also been thinking lately is how did this letter survive the fire, mm-hmm. get in Howard's hands? Right. You know, did he give this to Howard maybe like a long time ago and say, like, hey, if anything ever happens to me, yeah. give this to Jim. Or maybe it was in a safety deposit box or something. Yeah. You know, like, who who knows? I, I just uh I, I guess I'm just not really sure how to interpret the timing yeah. of the letter. Or also maybe just what I said in preview with the prior, maybe maybe Howard wrote that letter. Also possible. Right? Because like he you signed said, it how do you get just all of it? Chuck. Mm-hmm. It is written in a way that kind of reflective of now I kinda of wanna like hear the obituary back to back with It the sounds letter. more like when, when Howard way back when was praising Jimmy yeah. for his dictuitativeness. Yes. Right and his fortitude. Yeah, sounds more like Howard singing the praises of Jimmy trying to convince Chuck. Right, like right. what if it's a continuation? Like you remember Howard tried to take, try to take some of the blame for pushing Chuck to death. Uh-huh. What if this is and and Kim's like that's bullshit. But what if this is some sort of weird continuation of Howard trying to alleviate his guilt by putting the world right? So he writes a bullshit letter, huh. hoping you get Jimmy back on track or something, or like assuage. Just a way to like assuage his guilt or something, because maybe he knew something from Chuck that Jimmy right. Jimmy didn't, completely unaware of Chuck saying that he never cared for him much. Well, then, and and this is possible, but mm-hmm. it could backfire because I'm also thinking now. I think I might have said this before a long time ago. The reason he changed his name is to get away from the Gill name, because mm-hmm. it specifically says in the letter, 
I am proud to share a name with you. Oh, good call. Good call. He, and I noted that too. I'm proud that we share the name McGill. So mm-hmm. then Jimmy can be like, uh, no, we don't. Yep. Not anymore. Not anymore. Okay. Right. I like it. I like it. So if Howard wrote that, that's like another kind of weird, you know, yeah. backfire. Uh, what do you call that? Unintended consequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just trying to be nice and then it just pushes Jimmy farther. Like, fuck you. I don't want McGill. <laughs> right, right. Right. All right. Well, food for thought. I guess we'll find out. There's seven more episodes of Better Call Saul season four. Yeah, I like that ending a lot more the second time after watching it for some mm-hmm. reason or something. Because at first I kind of thought it was like a little weird. I couldn't figure it out. But now mm-hmm. that we've talked about it, and we don't even have an answer. Right. So, yeah, give us your opinions because, I mean, we'll speculate in the preview of the prior mm-hmm. and just wait for it to play out. Yeah. But it could go several different ways. Yeah. Send us your thoughts. Uh, we'll be here, of course, next week with uh, episode 405 up as the credits roll. Look for the new preview with the prior coming out sometime uh, sometime between then for, I guess that'd be episode 404. So make sure to send us your thoughts, ideas, complaints, or uh, tell us why we're wrong. Tell us why we're right. You can uh, give us all sorts of feedback and we'll put it on there. Brant, fire up YouTube. Tell us how to pronounce words. Look forward to it. So with that, make sure to check us out on the Nothing Important Podcast, nothingimportantpodcast.com. You can also hear uh, our friend Jeff and I, who hasn't been on the show yet this season, but I'm sure he'll be on sometime soon. Uh, A Plumless Among Us, our Rick and Morty podcast, which is the Rickest Rick and Morty podcast. You can find us on Twitter, ISGM podcast, email host at itsallgoodman.com or Brian at nothing important podcast. I don't know. Or nothing important podcast at gmail.com. There's all sorts of ways. By now, you folks know how to get a hold of us Facebook, Twitter, and of course, make sure to check out TV Time. They've uh, given us a lot of props over the years and a lot of listeners on there as well. So download it on your phone. Discuss with other fans, Better Call Saul, and your favorite TV shows. And make sure to set your calendars October 13th. Dave and I are going to play a rock and roll show in Julia, Illinois. <laughs> it's going to be terrible. That's what you call it. If that's what you call it. <laughs> Dave will definitely be playing guitar. I will be attempting to sing. It's going to be... Brian will be providing vocals. Mm -hmm. I will be providing guitar. Mm -hmm. Let's leave it at that. Yep. On the bright side, there will be alcohol, though. And and hopefully as much humor as is found in this podcast. Yeah. So So really, really... Don't expect much. Yeah, really really (laughs) bad jokes that only we laugh at. Yeah, exactly. So with that, thank you so much for listening. Look forward to your thoughts on Preview with the Prior. We'll see you next week. And Dave? Call us idiots. Call us geniuses. Whatever. Just call us.